This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. It's time for football. Salah. It's Kate Cancelo off. Brilliant from Mo Salah. And still, Salah. Oh, sensational. Absolutely sensational. Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9. Hello and welcome to Just for Kicks with myself, Cam Rusland. And uh, we have a packed show today. We've got FA Cup replays. We've got Premier League previews. We have Asian Cup from our man on the ground there. He is Des Corkill. And it's uh, very good to be here. Uh, the Asian Cup is going pretty well. Facilities are excellent. The matches are pretty good. But sadly, Malaysia, oh, oh. Yeah. The hope is what kills you in football, isn't it? It's yeah, the hope yeah. that kills you. Absolutely. And uh, the man, man who, who knows all about that, because he's a Nottingham Forest fan, he is Bob Holmes. Uh, hope and despair, but uh, good to be here and discuss it. Yep, we're going to find out all about, um, well, some very trying times in uh, the finances of football. So let's start with, we're going to look at the uh, Premier League, sorry, the Premier League, the FA Cup, uh, fourth round replays there's no var in the fa cup so des corkin has a big smile on his face and let's start with well the upset i guess is the big upset bristol city won west ham united nil bob is not through want of trying by west ham um but you know they perhaps no. were relieved uh, no well they because they had uh the chance at home didn't they um and they they blew that but just uh just to correct you uh cam there is VAR in okay. the FA Cup uh, on the um, on the Premier League grounds, um, and this is another bone of contention. But there isn't on the lower league grounds. So you've got these games, and and uh, at least one manager highlighted this: the um, the Blackpool manager uh, who. Uh, uh, suffered uh, a, a dubious um, late winner by Forrest, and uh, there was no VAR. But there had been VAR in the first game uh, in Nottingham. So that's the situation. It doesn't make it any better for VAR. No, all that's agree. all sorts of wrong. That's just wrong. So it's double wrong, isn't it? It's, oh. it's double wrong. But getting back to West Ham, uh, yeah, um, David Moyes never seemed to be a great fan of the FA Cup. But I think his hands are a little bit tied. He's got injuries. And uh, Kudas is, of course, at the um, African Nations, the guy that's been quite a revelation in recent weeks. And this um, this was a, a tricky tie um, away from home. Bristol City seemed to be a club on the rise. They took 9,000 fans with them to the first game shows the level of interest and uh they gave it a good go and really uh it. this is one Deserve of the f yeah i mean this is an up fa cup upset not uh too seismic but uh a pretty decent one i mean west ham are european conference champions and sixth in the premier league so they're not mugs so for bristol city to beat them over after two games uh, is great, and they showed they had a couple of decent players. I thought the keeper was terrific, a local mm. lad, uh, Max O'Leary. I think the some of the bigger clubs will be looking at him, and uh, Conway, the guy that scored both goal at, at uh, West Ham and at Bristol. Uh, he looked pretty lively too. Yeah. So 
Yeah, and and then they play Forest. They've got a home tie against Forest uh, oh, next well, up. That's where that's where it's so a screeching they're, halt. They'll they'll go Dream. to Wembley at this oh, rate, won't they? <laughs> uh, Des, we got a lot of matches to get through. I don't think we're going to do them all, so I, I invite you to choose one. But I would like to uh, draw your attention to Eastley one, Newport County three, Newport. Counties actually probably the nearest club to where my mother grew up. So go the Newporters, uh, and um, they're going to be playing Ma- Manchester United in the next round. But their exactly. stadium has a capacity of eight thousand. Yeah, but this is exactly the beauty of the FA Cup. This will set Newport County up for the rest of the season. Uh, remember, not so long ago, I mean, they're, they're a new Newport County. I was around uh, in South Wales as a reporter when Newport County went bust and uh, their old stadium um, was, was closed down. It was one of the pieces I did. And so to see the way that they, they've come up the leagues and established themselves as a uh, a, a decent team, um, no, they're, they're not actually going to uh, rip up any trophies or anything, but for them to have a chance to take on Manchester United uh, to probably get a, a live game that will be beamed around the world, that is Fabulous for Newport County. And they did well. Um, they, they had to come from a goal down against Eastleigh, who are in the National League, a league below them. Uh, so it wasn't an easy victory, but they, um, uh, they're they 17th place in the in the uh, League Two. So this is an opportunity for Newport County to say to the world, listen, we do exist. We are here. And imagine if they beat Manchester United. Uh, that and That's why I'm so pleased that they're still playing at home. That they're adding a new grandstand to add a thousand pe- thousand people to, to the stadium. This is what the FA Cup is truly all about. Not the Manchester Uniteds, not the Manchester Cities, but the Newport Counties. So they would want a draw, wouldn't they? That would be the the dream scenario: draw against uh, Manchester United, replay over at Old Trafford. Uh, the dream scenario is to beat Manchester United in your nice, tight, uh, cramped stadium, which used to be a, a rugby stadium, but um, oh. uh, Rodney Parade it is. But that's the that's the dream. Second best yet, get a draw and go back and uh, have um, maybe 50,000, because I still think they share the gate receipts in the FA Cup, but have a 50,000 um, gate at uh, Manchester United, and that will see their finances through this season and probably next season, and it puts the club on a secure financial footing for a few years. Uh, I'm going to rattle through some other results. Bristol Rovers 1, Norwich 3, Everton 1, Palace 0. Hmm. Uh, Bolton 1, Luton Town 2. Well done, Luton. And uh, it'll be an Everton-Luton lineup next. Wolves 3, Brentford 2, a post-Rooney Birmingham City 2, Hull City one and so Bob, I'll end with Blackpool two, Nottingham Forest three. A ray of sunshine or uh, an unnecessary um, distraction? Uh, a bit of both, actually. Um, they could have done without uh, extra time. Uh, could have done without a replay, uh, t- uh, to be honest. But they did come through it. I think they showed uh, they showed something because. This was a much-chained side. They've lost six players to AFCON, as we've previously mentioned, uh, plus uh, the usual quota of injuries. And it was an opportunity for the manager, new manager, Nuno, to uh, put in one or two guys who not even played this season. And it didn't take uh, one of them long. Uh, I've got to try to get his name right. Omo Dabimele or something like that. And he looked pretty good, actually. He scored, but he's a central defender. 
young lad they got from Norwich City, supposed to be very promising, but this was his debut. Anyhow, uh, they survived. Bit of a scare when Blackpool came back to 2-2, but Chris Wood managed to get a tap in and averted penalties. I don't think I could have survived penalties, frankly. <laughs> so at least there was a um, yeah. something. It's been a pretty rotten week, which I think we're going to talk about later. Oh, but we are, at yeah. least they're still in the FA Cup. Well, we're going to talk about that straight after the break. And uh, by the way, listeners, whenever Bob Holmes mentioned they, he was referring to Nottingham Forest. Uh, that's, uh, that's, that's how professional he is. So uh, we'll take a short break. When we come back, it's finances and Premier League here on Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9. More football when we come back. Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9. Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9. And we're back with myself and Bob Holmes and Des Corkill. And now, Des, financial fair play. I don't understand financial fair play. Everton got hit a while back with 10-point fine. They're back in trouble, it seems. Alongside Nottingham Forest, which came as a surprise to me, and there is some news on Manchester City's 115 charges. Well, that's the that's the point. There is no news on the Manchester City one yet, and yet Everton are back in the in the dock once again, as are Nottingham Forest. Uh, it's a su- su- sustainability, easy to say, or not easy to say, but uh, easy to charge apparently, and. Um, it's an interesting one. You heard last week that, uh, or you were shocked last week when I said that um, rules are there uh, and all the teams sign up for these rules of uh, trying to make sure they stay within a, a financial barrier. Um, there's all kinds of reasons for Everton. The, um, the, the the cost of the new stadium, which is looking splendid and more and more splendid by the day at Bramley Moor. But that uh, is eating into the finance at Everton Football Club. And it means that uh, the rules they signed up to play for under financial fair play or sustainability are not being adhered to. Gosh, this was the inevitable conclusion, I feel, of the Premier League in 1992, letting um, uh, the clubs take total control. Uh, uh, Spending got out of control. Teams are overspending to try to get the, the, the financial glory of being involved up at the the very, very top end. And now we're beginning to to see the fallout and the consequences. Um, The chances are that Everton might get a ban, another points deduction this season, if everything is heard before the end of this season. But the latest is that uh, it might be heard at the end, um, once the season is all over. So you might have uh, what's the word? Retroactive points deductions at the end of the season. It's all very messy. Oh, God, it's terrifying. It is, yeah, it is all about um, financial fair play. And the clubs have got to take responsibility. If they break the rules or found to break the rules, then they must uh, face the consequences. Yes, I think if, all right, you've got to obey the rules. But if the people making the rules are incapable of implementing them, then I think that. They, it becomes a, a different story. And here we have Everton, who have been hit twice. And it's likely that we're going to finish this season and not know who is staying in the Premier League and who is going down. And it won't just be Everton and Forest affected. If it's a close race at the end of the season, it could be as many as eight or nine, even ten clubs, half the Premier League would be finishing the season not knowing 
whether they're in the league next season or in the championship. And I think that is absolutely ridiculous. And the chaos it's going to cause, and even uh, other other clubs as well are going to be affected by team, you know, qualify for Europe and stuff like that. Uh, if they if they can't sort this out better than that, then I don't think they should have the rule in the first place. I mean, well, surely, surely they can decide on this before the end of the season. Well, Spain are very uh, strict on this, and successfully so. Uh, can I can I be? I'm not even sure if I'm playing devil's advocate here. If the owner of a football club happens to be the richest person in the world, and if they want to spend a trillion pounds on their club, why the hell not? Well, this is exactly why the law was brought in because you you wanted to try to get some kind of equality ish uh, in the league, so you didn't want to have the the state teams just being able to come in and buy up the rest of the league. So you were trying to get some kind of equalization in there. But the problem with that is that the, the big um, the, the big spenders have come in and they are spending huge amounts of money. And the, the teams like Everton and like Forest uh, have spent to try to keep up with those um, uh, those big spenders. But the, 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 the point is, and it's, it's been said by a couple of people controversially, that in that the, the clubs agreed to these laws. So it, it's like... Um, uh, in, in old rugby league, uh, rugby union days, when you used to pay players under the table, everyone knew it was going on, but it was wrong. And if you sign up to, to a rule and then you break it, it's not on the authorities to say, ah, this is our problem. It's on the club to take the responsibility and take the accountability. It's mm. um, oh, it, it, I, I'm with Bob, though. It's, it's very, very chaotic. But this is the inevitable conclusion uh, that we've got with uh, football getting all about finances. And I warned you about this years ago. We but, are heading but, down to the law courts. I, don't, and I, did, I didn't listen, Des, and now we're all paying the price. <laughs> um, Bob, very briefly, Nottingham Forest, your Nottingham Forest have found themselves in um, in trouble. They've done something wrong. Own up. What was it? Well, they've exceeded the uh, the amount they were allowed to spend, and uh, it, the main excuse, which frankly I don't think they're going to get away with, is that they delayed selling Brennan Johnson until they could get a higher price for him, which they did considerably. They were offered thirty million by Brentford in January. They turned it down. And they got forty-seven and a half million from Spurs in on September the first. But the problem was the um, end of the financial year occurred in June, and the forty-seven point five million, which would have covered them, they say, uh, doesn't count. And but they they claim that they were working with the Premier League along, uh, you know, as as they went along. But I don't think that argument is going to wash, frankly. But I'd just like to say here, I, I think Everton have got more more reason to feel aggrieved than Forrest, and I'm a Forrest supporter. I will say that. But the uh, the rest of the league has the most to feel aggrieved about with the treatment of Manchester City. Well, no, and, a, date, a date has been set. We haven't been well, told yes, what that date Yes, but we don't is. know when, yeah. which is farcical. I mean, we, to say, we don't know if it's this no, season or next. We don't no. know. It was earlier announced that it would be 2025 now uh, because of the complexity of the issue. But I, I don't think that's right either. Okay, it is complex. But in the meantime, you're punishing two other clubs with points deductions. It looks like Forrest Everton have already had theirs. And meanwhile, 
city are free to carry on and win another title. But eventually there will be something. And if if the Everton uh, points deduction is a precedent and it stands, uh, there's one final word then on, on this thing. It, it, I mean, it's possible that, that City could be sent down to League One, but they're, they're going to lose so many points. But, but having said that, the EFL, the, the Football League, is a separate entity from the Premier League. They could actually refuse to take City. I'm sure they wouldn't. They'd love to have them there. But they could actually refuse, couldn't they? There's all kinds of um, legal possibilities, because you're quite right. We don't know. Uh, but the legal possibilities, I remember in Scotland when Glasgow Rangers were sent down to the uh, uh, the bottom league. Um, and even then there was a bit of a hoo-ha, should they still be in the league structure? Um, anything could happen. You're, obviously, you're not guilty in, um, until you're innocent, until you're proven guilty or you've lost in a court of law. But what this, again, I'm going back to this, is the teams have said, OK, we will play by the rules. And they're not played by the rules. Um, Everton and Forest, if it is proven to be, mm. be the Manchester City as well. And so, so you're just going down the so far away from sportsmanship. The, mm. it, it's, it's not funny. And it, it, it just takes away, certainly for, for our generation, my generation, it takes away the sheer beauty of the game of football. Well, yeah. let's... Can I just add one oh, more yeah. thing here? With uh, Richard Masters' performance in the uh, so-called grilling from the uh, House of Commons committee, he gave the show away. Uh, footballers for years now suspected that there's one rule for the rich, the big six, and another for the rest. And he referred to Forrest and Everton as small clubs. Oh, I mean, you know, it came out. Finally, it came out. Mm. I mean, it is mm. breathtaking. This is the guy in charge. They are members, equal members of an organization called the Premier League. And they're treated like that with disdain. And I think it that actually, uh, this idea of the one rule for the rich and one rule for the rest is what upsets all, all the fans mm. more than anything else, actually. And it's it's very clear. Uh, that this is happening all the time. Every rule change they make, it favours the rich. And this is why we uh, have this uh, discrepancy now. Yeah, in a few years' time, you know, you guys, you're not going to recognise the sport of football and its structure at all. It's going to... I already don't. I already yeah. don't. Well, well, let's let's turn to the game of football, uh, Des Corkill and the Premier League matches. Uh, half of the league are on some kind of winter break. The other half are playing bit odd Bournemouth versus Liverpool um Mohamed Salah is doing great work in the African Cup of Nations but of course he's not therefore playing for Liverpool yeah awkward little one this um Bournemouth um ha- having I had them down as real favorites to be relegated and then they put in a, a great run of form of four or five wins on, on the bounce um they've got a full squad they've uh, uh got Solanke is a, a striker who's in form billing who's prompting from from Deep Samania, I think, has been a, a really, really good player uh, this year. Um, and Bournemouth, tight little stadium against the Liverpool team who have got lots of injury problems and absentees. Uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold missing as well as Salah. Endo, who's been important in the heart of midfield, uh, uh, he's missing as well. Awkward little one. Liverpool, top of the league. They won't have been too thrilled to see Manchester City's uh, come from behind uh, and the late winner at Newcastle, because that tells us that Man City and Kevin De Bruyne are roaring back. So there's a little bit of pressure on Liverpool. 
this is the kind of game that you can easily lose or draw. You're expected to win, and I'd still would expect Liverpool to win, but it's a, a very, very awkward, uh, rather than difficult, awkward tie, uh, tie to negotiate. Um, Liverpool will do very, very well to win here. I kind of forget, and your tone doesn't even suggest Liverpool are top of the league at the moment. That's quite something. Yeah, they're, they're top of the league. They're in the next round of the Europa League. They're in the semi-final with um, with a lead in the in the uh, English Cup and uh, got Norwich in the FA Cup. Yeah, it's all plain sailing. But it, football can be a slog. Uh, and you've literally that old adage of one game at a time. I'm sure Jurgen Klopp is uh, saying to his players, all right, all our focus on now is Bournemouth. Then uh, we'll worry about what's next, which happens to be a League Cup tie against uh, a semi-final against Fulham and a chance to get to Wembley. It's the price for being successful. It's a lovely price, but there are scary moments on the way. Uh, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to rattle through some more Premier League matches that are coming up, but also talk quickly about some um, transfer window news before we finally get to the big one, the Asian Cup, here on Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9. More football when we come back. Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9. Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9. Welcome back to part three with myself and Bob and Dez. Um, before we get into the Premier League matches coming up over the weekend, um, quickly like to talk about some of these uh, transfer window news. Uh, Bob, Jordan Henderson, after his much publicized trip to Saudi Arabia has decided to leave. Remarkably, has managed to get himself a gig at uh, Ajax, where, which yes. is famously where full of very young people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's embarrassing for Anderson, but I don't think he deserves uh, some of the stick he's getting. Um, I mean, obviously, I think everyone knows the story. It hasn't worked out for him. And uh, what's he expected to do? Uh, stay in purgatory for the next two or three years? Uh, no, purgatory being paid about a million pounds a week, of course. Or has he? Or has um, he? Apparently, well, he hasn't been paid a penny. Well, I haven't heard. I haven't heard that. Is that is a good reason for leaving, then, isn't it? It was on Sky News. It, it may be some sort of tax thing. I mean, Des, maybe do you, do you well, know about this? The, <laughs> he deferred, the, he deferred some wages, so. Um, I'm sure he's not uh, skinned. I'm sure he's not broke. But uh, yeah, he might have uh, some tax duties to pay. But it, it's not worked out for him on the pitch either. And, and in some ways, I'm glad. Not be, not that it's Jordan Henderson. I'm a, I'm a big fan of Jordan Henderson. And the poor fellow's found himself in a PR nightmare. But I'm, I'm glad um, that... Uh, the, the big stars going over to Saudi Arabia aren't finding it all plain sailing. I'm glad that Asian football, domestic football, is uh, seem to be difficult on the pitch. Also, there are 50,000 people clamouring to get into every game. There are in some of the big games, but uh, not, not all of them. But it's a tough league in Asian football, I've been telling you for quite some time, um, is, is a difficult place to play. So I'm pleased the players can't just swan in uh, take the money and disappear. Um, I'm pleased that he's he's had a difficult time on the pitch. And good luck to him in Ajax. But um, I, I, I think he could be could be good for them. Uh, having you know older an older head there could be the precisely what Ajax need. Yeah, yeah, they've had a troubled season as well. But they were yeah. uh, remember they were bottom of the league at one stage. So they've got themselves up into fifth place now. Um, and Jaden Sancho Bob has uh, gone back home to Dortmund. And he looks very happy immediately. I don't know yes. what that was about over at Manchester United. Do you know? Uh, well, it didn't quite work out for him in on the field. Um, 
But I think he he had a clash with uh, Eric Ten Hag, a big a big clash. Uh, apparently, uh, Sancho called Ten Hag a liar. Mm-hmm. And, well, you don't do that to your manager, and uh, you know he never he never played again. And uh, well, he, he had to train alone as well. So there was absolutely no future for him. What was behind it, I don't know, because Sancho has uh, not got a uh, troublemaker uh, reputation, not at all. He went to Dortmund, uh, adapted to uh, another country very well as a as a, a teenager, uh, was outstanding, got into the England team. Um, no one's ever said uh, anything wrong about him. Um, but he just didn't hit it off uh, with Eric Ten Hag. And United paid over £70 million for him. And, okay, this is, he's gone back on loan, but they're going to be very lucky to to get anywhere near that back when they do eventually sell him. Can I just say one more thing about Jordan Henderson? Um, he, uh, there was a financial issue, and it was concerning coming back to the UK because uh, there's some crazy rule whereby... Half his money from Saudi Arabia, if he did ever earn any money money there, would have to be paid in tax to the UK government, because he wouldn't have been uh, an out out a non-resident for long enough to qualify for qualify for the dispensation or something like that. Yeah, I think he had to wait till April. It yeah, been he's April. Ve- he's very smartly gone to Ajax and in another country. So he he avoids that situation. So, you know, somebody has been advising him quite astutely on on the finances. But he you talk about Jordan Henderson. He's a good bloke. A lot of people really like him. Yeah. And yeah. he got himself into a bit of a pickle over this um, you know, uh, uh the human rights issue, LGBT and all that. But he doesn't deserve the stick he's getting. No. And I, I think he would have been a great addition uh, for KL City. I think he could have come up, teamed up really nicely with Gigi. I think that would have been, uh, but not to be. Maybe one, who knows? Who knows? Um, Des, back to the football. Arsenal versus Crystal Palace. Arsenal kind of mm, stuttering a bit. And now in fourth, is it, I don't know, are we witnessing that Arsenal collapse? Uh, no, this little break, I think, may well have done them um, a, a lot of good. Uh, people were telling me at the start of the season that Arsenal uh, w- w- would would um, suffer because they didn't have a main striker. Uh, I, I publicly said I disagreed, but I think I'm being proven wrong uh, because they, they, they've they scored 10, 11 goals it is less than Manchester City. And that kind of uh, firepower, even if you're strong defensively, you you need goal scorers. They, they're still scoring at nearly two a game, but at a very, very top level, you need a little bit more than that. Uh, so uh, Arsenal... They will have um, enjoyed the break, but it, it was a hefty old slump, wasn't it? It was three defeats um, and a draw in the last five matches. So when they were top of Christmas, they're now fourth and five points off the pace um, midway through January. So it's it, it's a very, very important uh, game this for, for them. But one of the things that I don't think many people realise is that at the London derbies, there's so many London derbies in the top flight. And they, those derbies just had a little bit of extra pressure um, because it, it, they are very uh, significant. The fans are really up for them. There's there's more away fans. It's noisy. Um, so the, the number of London derbies that Arsenal and Tottenham face and Chelsea, if they ever get their act together, that becomes a, an issue. And th- this is an awkward one for, for Arsenal against Palace. I see them coming through. I see them 
using the break um, very uh, just to recover and recuperate. And I see them going on a tear, but mm, an awkward little game for them. Because I see that uh, Tottenham fans, who obviously don't like Arsenal, uh, they latch onto this story that Arsenal's actually from Woolwich, south of the river, south London. Um, and they seem to think, oh, therefore, oh, that just demolishes Arsenal's reputation, whatever. And if that were the case, and I think the nearest big club would be Crystal Palace, perhaps, or Charlton. And so this is a natural derby, according to Tottenham's fans. <laughs> that was about 100 years ago. That it was 100, but I don't know. Spurs fans <laughs> like, oh, no, they're from they're from Woolwich. Oh. Well, there was some uh, shady deal uh, by which Arsenal actually got into the league in the first place. That's another bone of contention, 100 years old. I am not going to invite you to talk about Forest again because I, I, I feel your spirit just disappear from your body each time I do. Um, uh, so I'm going to ask you to talk about Brighton versus Wolverhampton Wanderers and your spirit may leave your body again. Uh, Brighton, well, as you know, I'm uh, I'm a bit of a fan of Brighton. I like uh, I like the way they play. I like what they've done as a club. Come from nowhere, survived uh, almost oblivion, play great football got into Europe. Absolute model club. What is there not to like? Oh, and once upon a time managed by Brian Clough. Oh, yes. But that didn't go too well, did it? No. Um, <laughs> one of his rare failures. Um, Brighton, yes, despite everything, despite uh, people thinking they've uh, taken on more than they can chew by being in Europe, despite injuries, despite AFCON, despite you know, virtually everything, they're still there. They're still kicking around. Not quite as high as uh, where they ended last season, but they're up there. They're, they're certainly not going to go down. They're not going to have a relegation battle or anything. They're not going to win the uh, Europa Conference, uh, but they they could be in it next year. Um, they wouldn't rule that out. Uh, they've They've got some excellent players. They keep finding new ones. But that said... Wolves are no pushovers. Look, wolves were a lot of people's favourites to go down because at the end, and, and this is another example of someone actually obeying the rules of financial fair play, wolves shed no less than 14 players hmm. at the end of the last transfer window and got in about £150 million to ensure that they did meet the sustainability rules. So uh, having lost half the team, including two or three of their best players, um, Ruben Nevis, most notably, we thought, oh, Wolves search for relegation. But no, they've, they've done very well. And they've, they're playing some, uh, some good football. So this, is, this should be worth watching this game. And uh, it's very hard to call. So I hope you don't ask me. <laughs> well one person you can always ask is des he likes to uh, uh your win rate's 50 something percent right now you've still got the black book uh, uh um, 54 percent for the premier league 60 percent for all games all right well i'd have to yeah the black book yes indeed so uh des i'm gonna invite you on the other hand to talk brentford forest um don't don't care don't worry about bob's feelings uh what are forest's chances right now I'd rather focus on Brentford because they're on a, a, a terrible losing streak at the moment, uh, five in a row. Uh, I do think those middle groups will go through tears of wins or losses. You just mentioned Wolves. They've won three in a row. I mentioned Bournemouth earlier on. They, they won four in a row before they lost. 
Fulham were red hot and then they were uh, stone cold. Um, Brentford, though, um, they're a physical team. And I, I, I did wonder about Brentford's uh, sustainability uh, on the football field uh, th this year because they play such a high-tempo game. A couple of injuries, um, the absence of Ivan Toni uh, has, has hurt them a little bit. They don't score enough goals. They don't concede many, but they don't score enough goals to win games and, and draws can drag you down towards the bottom end of the table. They're only three points um, shy of uh, um, Luton in uh, the relegation slot. So, um, Forrest, if it was at Forrest, I'd, I'd say that, um, that, that Forrest might have um, a, a good chance of taking the victory. I still think they'll they'll get the victory because Brentford are in such a, a state of flux. And I think teams have worked out how to defend against Brentford. They are a very physical side. They get the ball forward quickly. They use the set plays a lot. And it's taken a long time, but I think it's just Brent without. Not that it's difficult to play against them, but uh, you can defend against them. You can stop scoring them goals. And I think Forrest, at the end of the bad week, may well come through with, um, with three points uh, at what looks to be a very, very difficult fixture. Whoa. Okay. Well, uh, Ivan Tony is going to be back, though, Des. He's back. He, this is this will be his uh, first yeah, match back? First match, yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he's been scoring hat-tricks for the under-21s and reserves and all that he's he's fit uh, let, 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 let's see it's been a long time out you you don't i mean if he comes back and really does the business then yes uh he'll get he'll get a big move to an arsenal or someone who oh yeah be a huge bidding war there um, it's, it's a big step of his career this one for even tony yeah bob not a really amazing bunch of fixtures coming up over the weekend capped off by sheffield united versus west ham uh yes um <laughs> west Talk ham again Talk eh? <laughs> yeah, let's talk Sheffield United then. Eh? <laughs> yeah, I I think this uh, is getting to the stage where for Sheffield United anyway, uh, where we're talking must-win games. Um, they are firmly rooted at the bottom. I'm just looking at it. Nine, Nine points. points, and Luton, who are also in the relegation zone, sixteen points. That's a big gap. Yeah, it, yeah, it is. Uh, Luton are Luton were the favourites, I think, weren't they, to go yeah. down? Um, but uh, Sheffield United probably are now. This is a this is the sort of game they've they've really got to win. They're going to catch West Ham on a, perhaps on on a bit of a downer, having been knocked out of the FA Cup. Uh, but uh, then again, you could say, well, they'll be determined to bounce back um, and maintain their high uh, level in the league, except sixth place, as I said before. I mean, that's uh, that's higher than they were last season, isn't it? Sixth. Mm. So this, you know, they're they're not uh, doing too badly, but they are affected by injuries. Sheffield United seem to be the unluckiest team. If you watch some of their games, the own goals that they score, <laughs> shots that are going to the corner flag, hitting the backside of somebody and ends up in the back of their net, this type of thing, this cannot go on. They've got a good manager in Chris Wilder who took them up before. And this, this is a good move by the Saudi Arabian owner, the Saudi Arabian, the one Saudi Arabian who doesn't have any money. Um, they, they had to sell their two star players when they came up. And that's why they're in this mess. So they've got no worries on financial fair play or anything like that. But they could be going straight back down. It, unless they mount a real sustained recovery. So this one, I think I could see them getting a point against a low-scoring West Ham side. Mm. I could. Yeah, but uh, Sheffield United have not overextended themselves financially, so going back down would not be the, a complete disaster. 
Uh, but they haven't got any money. They haven't got they yeah. to extend. No, I, I think um, he was owned by a Saudi. I didn't know. No, he's not. He's not. He's obviously not one of the uh, not one of the rich ones. investment fund people, mm. is he? Okay. No. Okay, we're going to take a short break. When we come back in part four, we are going to look at the Asian Cup, where well, we'll talk about Malaysia in a moment here on Just for Kicks on BFM eighty nine point nine. More football when we come back. Just for Kicks on BFM eighty nine point nine. Just for Kicks on BFM eighty nine point nine. Welcome back to part four. And now we are um, going to be talking about the Asian Cup. And so we're going off to Qatar, Qatar land, where uh, Des is on a professional basis. Des, um, well, let's go straight for Malaysia. <laughs> on the previous show, Kish was on and he was so excited. And he was like, you know, he knew it's the hope that kills you. And he, he was trying to keep himself calm, but he was talking about, you know, get, getting a, a win over Jordan. It didn't happen. Um, you were there. How was it? Yeah, I was there in a commentary box and I was excited as well in a strictly neutral manner, of course. No, I was I was secretly hoping that uh, Malaysia would uh, show that their recent good form over the last 12 months and the Kim Pangong would continue. Sadly, it didn't. A 4-0 thumping, 3-0 down after half an hour and it could uh, there was a disallowed goal as well. I, I think we all believed that Malaysia were better than we are, and I, I'm certainly guilty of that as well. I was uh, I was looking at the results, looking at the performances, and uh, saying, "Hey, the gung ho way that Kim Pangon likes to play, the the three at the back, the press." Uh, that's that's really what we're looking for. But retrospectively, it's very easy uh, to look back and say, in hindsight, what what you might have done. But retrospectively, Malaysia were just far too gung ho. They conceded a, a, a very good goal to Almadi in the in the twelfth minute. Lovely shot into the top corner. Mm. But once you reach these very very top levels, and uh, this is um, Sihan Hazmi is the best goalkeeper in Malaysia by a long way. Um, he's he's a very talented keeper, but he's not six foot three. And the top teams uh, in Asia, they've all got goalkeepers who I think might have been able to make the save there. So I'm not. I'm not criticising Sihan for the concession of the goal. It was a goal top corner. But at the very, very top level, you expect the goalkeepers to save it. And, and therein lies the problem. And then Malaysia, because they'd played a, a flat back three, um, they were just picked off by a very, very good side. Um, uh, Jordan had a fella called Altamari who plays his football in Lyon and is, a, 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 sorry, a Montpellier in the French league and is a, a regular starter. He got, he got through. He scored a, a second goal. Almadi scored a third uh, after a lovely play by Altamari down the right-hand side. And 3-0 down at half-time. Uh, Malaysia, they they improved, made a couple of alterations in the second half. Uh, got Arif Ayman involved in the game a little bit more. Um, and certainly improved. But then were caught with a long ball over the top and uh, a second goal in there for Altamari towards the end. So um, I, th I think the, the fault is that Malaysia played gung-ho football. They didn't realise that when you go to this level, Jordan are a top 80 in the world club uh, a, a team for a reason. Uh, and they've got really good players in Almadi, who used to play in Kedah, and Altamari and others. And Malaysia were just ripped apart because they, they tried to go out and uh, be too gung-ho. A little bit more circumspect for the next game against Bahrain, I suspect will be the, uh, the case. But um, yeah. they're not out. Four points, you get a win and a draw against Korea and, and Bahrain. And, uh, oh, yeah, no problem. Next round. No, no problem, no problem. South Korea, no problem. Uh, Bob, uh, so what Des is saying is that, um, well, Malaysia lined up like uh, 
Vincent Company's Burnley when they should have uh, parked, the, <laughs> parked the bus like a Jose Mourinho team. But you, I mean, you yes. can't change you can't change culture on, on a dime like that, though, can you? No, um, no. I thought the keeper might have been a a yard or two off his line as well for that first one, which obviously didn't help uh, with him not being a tour keeper. Uh, but it was a superb strike that early in the game to pick a top corner like that was from a narrow angle was absolutely fantastic. I really did fear the worst. I thought it was it was it was looking as if it could be five or six very early doors, but uh, one goal was disallowed, as Des says. So uh, actually, uh, Des would have been pleased to see the VAR intervention there. He won't admit it, but. Um, it would have been one of those rare occasions. Um, no, I mean, I think they have to take some credit for um, keeping it down to four, actually, the way from the way it was looking. Uh, I mean, you could you could very easily have been annihilated from a start like that. So they can take a bit of credit from it. Um, they played some neat football in the second half. And uh, then, you know, they're not dead yet. But I agree. I think expectations were just a little bit too high. Des, meanwhile, I mean, so Malaysia are going to be playing Bahrain and South Korea, and good luck to them. Um, but meanwhile, in the rest of the competition, what are the what are the the, the other teams? Who's catching your eye? Any any surprises out there? Not not really surprises. Um, teams like Hong Kong put in a, a really good battle against United Arab Emirates on match day one. They lost three one. There were four. VAR interventions, three for penalties, uh, one of which I was delighted to see that the Singapore referee Mohamed Taki turned down. But VAR is coming in. Now, here's, here's an issue with VAR, which um, is, is a difficult one to get my head around. VAR has been right, technically right, on every occasion. It's not been wrong. Okay. But um, even you look at the, 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 the goal that Jordan had disallowed against Malaysia, VAR came in and they've got this millimetre... Uh, accuracy you've got the animation which is for, um, formed um, from 12 cameras taking slots and points and they they worked out that a shoulder literally a shoulder was offside um when a ball was played in earlier in the move in the match against malaysia now my issue so technically it's right but my issue is that offside was never meant to be the spirit of offside was never meant to be about millimeters it was never meant to be about shoulders and then another argument i've got about this is if they're so clear and accurate about the the shoulder what about the impact of the ball? Because the impact of the ball, a player can move a, a couple of millimetres or a, a, a centimetre in the time it takes to get uh, the ball coming onto the foot and then played off the foot. So if they're being that accurate at the receiving end, they've got to be that accurate from the um, from the, the source of the, of the passing. And are they that accurate? And I don't think there's any way to do that. So I think you're coming into a, a big, big problem here. And the other thing is, I mentioned the Hong Kong game. Um the referee had was four times called over to make decisions. He disagreed with one. They were all technically penalties, but they're all penalties that didn't look that there wasn't an appeal or there wasn't a, a sustained appeal. There were people going, have a look at VAR referee. And so we're getting into a, a very uh, machine-like robotic way of um, refereeing. And I feel that the referee's authority is being taken away every time VAR is introduced, because in front of the worldwide audience, people are saying, Ref, you're rubbish. You got that decision wrong. We need you to come here and and in isolation with all cameras on you, come and take a look at it to prove that you were wrong and are no good. Yeah. I, I've just so many issues. But technically, the, the technology is incredible. It's, it's 
very, very good, but it's taking so much out of the game. Well, I don't know if you heard my cat there. Um, my cat was uh, <laughs> making a noise and basically saying, enough VAR, Des Corkill. Uh, <laughs> but it's dominating. It's dominating. I, the I, I understand. But, um, well, back in the World Cup, which was also held in Qatar, VAR, people were surprised. At, like, oh, it, it's okay. Uh, they're doing it efficiently and everything's fine. And uh, Bob, I don't know. The, I know the back pass rule came in in the late 80s. Um, the 92. 92, is it? And uh, offside, I don't know when was off, has offside always been a fixture? Like 1892, um, right from the get go, is it right from the get go? Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, when they sorted out the rules of football, of course, it was a mob football, um, right? Right to begin with. But when um, you were when you were a member of the, the, the spectating mob and you were up in the uh, the watching the thing. Back in the day, did you get so upset about? I mean, you you only saw things fleetingly. There was no instant replay. Did you get upset about um, referee calls back then? Well, if it was against your team, if you had a goal disallowed, of course you did. And conversely, if the other team uh, had one disallowed, you were you were celebrating. Oh, okay. But you didn't get. Um, it didn't dominate. Uh, the conversation as it does now. And uh, it it was just accepted that referees would actually get one or two things wrong because they're human beings. And referees uh, ran the game. They they refereed the game. There was nobody overseeing. They were, managed, they were allowed to manage the game, correct? Yeah. And yes. they, I mean, I met one or two referees and they, I was always mystified why anyone, anyone would want to be a referee, but they explained it very well, and they were football fans, and they said they enjoyed it. There were moments when they get a bit of nastiness, of course, but that's life. But generally speaking, they could enjoy it and run the game, and if uh, at the end the only thing they didn't get was any praise, but often a referee who's not mentioned has had a good game. If you haven't noticed the referee, he's usually had a good game. And that's how it was. But nowadays, I think referees are fearing to make a decision. And rather Absolutely. like cricket umpires who like get like a run out when the guy's halfway down the wicket, you know, he's about 15 yards out of the out of his ground, they'll still refer it to the camera up, upstairs. And it's becoming like that. And that is not the way it was intended. And referees, I don't know how, where they're going to come from in a few years' time because they're, they're dropping from the game, partly because of this and partly because at a lower level they're getting a lot of violence. Yeah. They're on the, on the wrong end of that. So I, I think there's going to be a, a problem adjudicating this in a few years' time. Right. Well, on that happy note, um, we come to an end. Des Corkill, damn you. We talked VAR again. Uh <laughs> <laughs> and uh but it's no, not my fault it's, no it's, it's, it's not your fault and and you guys you know you know football inside out you know it's history so you can give us context um in that kind of historical sense as well so uh this is why we turn to you and we sit at your feet and we wish to learn about the days of old and so we come to an end and uh i'd like to thank des corkill thank you enjoy yourself in qatar I will do. It's uh, Malaysia Bahrain tomorrow, so do tune in. It's on all the various Astro uh, networks as well as RTM. There is an English language option, I believe. Um, that's where I am, but uh, the Malay boys are equally good.
you know, if Malaysia did score a goal, do you get all kind of like Brazilian commentator kind of? Uh, can you can you can you contain yourself? Uh, I can, but uh, I think the Brazilian commentary of the goal is very, very lazy. Uh, they're just hiding the fact that they've got nothing to say. <laughs> Let the crowd talk. Let the crowd talk. <laughs> I've, I've, I've got to say, there's a there's a couple of thousand Malaysians over here. They made a, a great uh, amount of noise, and it's a small stadium, so uh, I think the Malaysian fans will still be very, very supportive. Do tune mm. in and support your nation. And uh, yeah, yeah, and including one of our punters that she is out there. And uh, I'd like to thank Bob Holmes. Thank you. Thank you. A uh, difficult week uh, for me, of course, but I'm um, still smiling. Ooh, that's a true football fan. And myself, Cam Raslan, and our producer, Hanif Baharudin. Uh, well, see you next time here on Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9. For more football, tune in Mondays and Fridays at 8pm. Just for kicks on BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.